ask us some Today's Bible reading is Genesis chapter 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my state is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land from the body of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenazites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Thank you, Kristen. Um, if you have, we'll have the verses on the screen, but if you have got a Bible with you or a screen to look at a Bible on, that would be handy to have in front of you as well, because um, I'll just refer to big chunks of it. Well, how do we go conducting, how do we conduct relationships right? How do we make sure in life that we're getting on with people? If we're not getting on with someone, we feel it most when it's close to home, don't we? So um, Sharon's been having health problems lately, and she's been worrying, not about herself, but that it will distract me from my work and, and stress me out. But my response is, look, so long as we're getting on, I'm fine, I'm happy, you know, if, as long as we're getting on well with each other. Because when we're not getting on well with someone, when we're not in right relationship with someone, 
We really feel it, don't we? And every culture has got particular ways, particular relationships, um, how you're supposed to relate to one another. So how parents relate to children, how parents relate to grown-up children, um, children to parents, siblings, workmates, how we relate to people older than us, younger than us, um, to teachers, how we relate to police officers, all sorts of different relationships. I mean, I sometimes see when you know, you're just chatting with people and you tell them, I tell them I'm a pastor, you can see the physical demeanor change and they try and talk of being swearing in the conversation for the past few minutes or not. Different ways of relating to people. The question facing Abram in today's passage is, how does he conduct a right relationship with God himself? And the question for us is, how do we stay in right relationship with God? Because if we know that something is up when we fall out with each other, with fellow human beings, well, how much more so do we know that there's something up if we fall out with God? So just to give you some context where we're up to in Genesis, chapter 15 finds Abram going really well with God, actually. In the last chapter, he'd had a bit of a wobble in Egypt, not trusting God, but he's come back to happily trusting God, having faith. But the thing is, though, God had promised Abram uncountable offspring. And he promised him the land of Canaan that he's now in for those offspring to possess for themselves. But the trouble is, Years later, since God first promised him, he still has no children. And whilst he is in Canaan, he doesn't yet possess it for himself. Which kind of leaves Abram with some awkward questions for God. I mean, we're used to politicians breaking the promises. Um, we're used to ad- adverts lying to us, aren't we? We don't expect to look like the people in fast food ads if we keep eating fast food. And I'm sure lots of you have had to pick up the pieces uh, for a friend or someone when when a partner has seriously let them down. We expect it of people. And if Abram's promises had come from someone like the great ones that we read about in the last chapter, some of these local powerful kings that Abram had just defeated, if it had heard it from them, then he wouldn't be surprised to be let down. But these promises have come from God. And yet, if he's really honest, Abram's feeling a bit let down. A bit like God is keeping him waiting too long. He might be feeling even a bit like God won't keep his promises. And don't we sometimes feel like that? When life gets on top of us, when problems that affect us deeply remain unsolved, we can wonder if God even cares. And when we think we're going really well with God, and then we sin, and then we realize that we can still be just as hard-hearted and selfish and rebellious as we ever were, we can wonder if God really can change us. We wonder if God really can forgive us. And when the rest of the world's enjoying a cafe or sport on Sunday morning and never shows the slightest interest in church or God, it can be hard to believe that we are Christ's body and bride, that we're ground zero for what God is doing in the world. Well, how do we relate rightly to God 
in the midst of all those doubts and questions. Well, let's have a look at chapter 15 together. Um, and in it, because in it, Abram asks God about the promises. He asks for offspring and land. And there's a bit of a pattern. So the pattern is kind of our outline for this talk. So it goes word, questions, small print, signs, assurance. So word, God speaks to Abram specifically, makes him a promise. Questions, Abram's got questions about his promises. Small print, God fills in some of the details about the promises he's made. Signs, God helps Abram to understand the word that he's already read to him with a, with a visible sign. And assurance, we'll look at how, despite his questions, Abram stays in right relationship. Say so he's getting on all right with God. So that's where we're heading. I'll do that one bit at a time. Uh, as we go along as well, because this is Genesis, it's telling us foundational things about God. We'll try and notice those as we go as well. So first word. God speaks promises to Abram. Verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. And, uh, verse 7, he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. Now, maybe this is stating the obvious, but one foundational thing Genesis tells us about God is that he speaks. So he makes himself known to us. We get to hear what is on God's mind. So God's not some, the God of the Bible is not some mysterious force. He's a person. He's not, as many people claim, unknowable. And, you know, all the world's religions are just sort of equally valid ways of trying to express the unknowable. No, God is relational. God reveals who he is to us in words and actions. And God's words are so certain, they're like actions in themselves. So Genesis 1 God creates by speaking. Now, we have some sympathy for poor old Abram. This is only the third word from God that he's had. Yet it's been enough to convince him to leave his wealth and his family and to head to Canaan. We've got so much more. We've got a whole library of God's word, things he's said, things he's done, promises he's fulfilled, promises of what's to come. And because his word is written by, it's written by human authors, yes, but because it's inspired by the same Holy Spirit that lives in every Christian, as Hebrews 4 puts it, the Bible is a living and active word, living and active word that speaks to us at our deepest level. So it's a bit like this week I've been watching um, a TV drama show set in my hometown of Manchester. Really good drama. But I felt it all the more because key scenes in it are in streets that I've walked down, in the university that I graduated in. I even recognized uh, the pub that they used for a big party scene in there because me and my mates used to go in there. So my personal connection brought the show more alive to me. Our personal connection with God, with his Holy Spirit in us, brings his word alive to us as we read it or hear it and reflect on it, either for the first time or the thousandth. And so it's God's word that we turn to, to feed and sustain our faith 
when we've got questions, when we've got doubts. So what is God's word to Abram? Well, notice in verse 1 and 7, God's promises are based on who God is and what God has done, not on who Abram is and what he's done. He says, I am your shield, your very great reward, and I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. And he's saying to Abram in these promises, I'm for you, Abram. I've chosen you, and I've chosen to be for you. Abram doesn't need to be afraid. God the Creator is on his side. We don't need to be afraid. God chose us before time began to be adopted as his children through Jesus, to have every spiritual blessing available in the heavenly realms. God speaks to us through his word as his spirit in us brings it home to our heads and our hearts. And yet, we can still have questions. Abram had questions. That's our next section, questions. So he had questions about this promise to his of offspring. Um, so verse 2, but Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. That's probably sort of his head servant who would, in the normal scheme of things, inherit if he didn't have a son. And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Uh, and Abram questions possession of the land as well, but Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? How can I know, God, uh, given that there's a whole bunch of tribes and nations already living there, all those ites we heard at the end, who look pretty settled and happy to be possessing it themselves? Thanks very much. Abram questions God, but is Abram right to question God? Is it, is it okay for us to question God? I mean, I'm a conflict avoider, so I'd be more like, oh, hey, kids are great, aren't they, God? Hint, hint. And wouldn't it be great if we did have kids um, uh, to have somewhere of your own you could really settle them in? Hint, hint. But Abram's not like me. Abram just says it right out. You haven't given me children. What's the go? Is Abram right to ask these questions? Well, yes, it is all right for Abram to ask the the kind of question he's asking. Because in the very asking, he's showing that he isn't giving up on God. Abram's questions are actually evidence of faith. And I can say that really confidently because I've read this amazing commentary on this chapter. And it's a commentary that you've already got. You don't need to spend any money to go and get it because it's called Romans chapter 4. All right, the Apostle Paul writes all about this chapter in Romans chapter 4. So on the screen there from, 19, from verse 19 in Romans 4. Without weakening in his faith, Abram faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. So in other words, yes, Abram had his doubts. He had lots of reasons not to believe. But knowing God is God, he took God at his word. 
Questioning God like Abram did is just being honest with God. It's a way of turning to him in faith. Now, of course, there is a kind, you can question without faith. You can question in a way that is really not a question. It's just a roundabout house's way of saying, God, I don't trust you. But Abram did trust God, despite and through the questions that he reasonably held. Abram took God at his word, and God credited it to him as righteousness. That is the right way to be in relationship with him, being okay with him, getting along with him just fine. Because the unique thing about relating to God, as opposed to anybody else, is that God is perfect, totally reliable, always keeps his promises, never goes back on his word. So the right way to relate to God is to trust him, take him at his word. Another foundational thing we see about God here in Genesis, God is not like a genie where he just rubber lamp, he appears and he gives you whatever you ask for straight away. He doesn't just pop up and say yes to all our requests in the time frame that we deem fit. In the end, there are about 25 years between God promising Abram offspring and the birth of his son. And, you know, we can go on about how God experiences time differently to us. That's true. But he created us in time on purpose. And in his grace, he often uses time. By the time we get to chapter 22, we'll see that Abram's faith is grown and developed through his patient waiting, through his being tested. Patient faith. Back to chapter 15, though. In his grace, God responds to Abram's questions, actually. So he tells him some of the small print and gives him signs to help him have assurance. So we looked at word questions and now small print. Our next section. God kindly helps Abram to believe by filling him in on some of the details of how his promises will be fulfilled. Verse 4. Uh, God, God clarifies the promise is, a, is that Abram's heir uh, won't just be a servant, it'll be his own biological offspring. So he clears that up for him. And then verses 18 to 21, he clarifies the promise of possession of the land. He says, yes, Abram, I really do mean all that land from all the way over there to all the way over there. And I know you've already been collecting the names of all the tough people who are already there, all those ites. But yes, I really do mean your offspring will take possession from those very people. So God encouraged Abram with his word of promise uh, by filling in details for him. And again, we can be encouraged in our faith by God's word of promise. And we've got so much more detail. We know God's full plan for salvation through Jesus. We know how on the cross Jesus cleared the way for our right relationship with God by paying for our sin. We know how Jesus is resurrected and ascended and he's praying for us. Jesus is praying for us right now. We're told loads of stuff about what Jesus' return will be like and what our future eternity with him will be like. 
all of this detail and promises and promises fulfilled, all of that to hold on to and encourage us. And we get to be in personal relationship with Jesus. And if you know Jesus, you know God. And I think often all we need is to be reminded of truths that we already know from the Bible. So if you're helping a brother or sister in Christ out, or if you're sorting yourself out, you don't need to go and reinvent the wheel. You don't need a degree in counseling. You just go back to the Bible, preach yourselves the gospel, and pray. Because the good news of Jesus really is the better answer to all our deepest needs. So God gives Abram details and he gives him signs. So when I used to work in x-ray, so Thursday afternoons in Manchester Royal Infirmary were absolutely chockers with bedlam. There was this big orthopedic clinic and every single patient needed an x-ray pretty much. Now, you could read that information, that truth, if you like, on the appointment list on the computer screen. You could know it from words. But what really brought it home and reminded you you'd forgotten was when you came back from lunch on a Thursday afternoon and all the signs were there. There was a big queue of people at the reception desk grumbling already. The waiting room was already standing room only and your colleagues were running around going full tilt to get through the work already. All the signs were there to reinforce what you already knew, really. And God, in his grace, gives Abram signs to reinforce, to bring home to his heart the truth of his word that he's already spoken. So first about having children, verse 5, he took Abram outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, God had already said a similar thing to Abram, using dust as the, as the metaphor, or whatever, if you like, um, making the point, it's going to be more than you can count. But I think in this moment, God's really helping Abram through his doubts by saying, look who it is that's making you these promises. It's the star maker. You know, if God can create galaxies of stars, he can certainly overcome Abram's age, and Sarah's barrenness. If God can create galaxies of stars, he can certainly overcome our problems. That's a promise of offspring. For the promise of land, verse 9 to 11, God has Abram prepare for an elaborate and frankly quite weird covenant contract ritual, doesn't he? He gets... So you and I, if we're buying a house, say you might go to a conveyancer and you sign a few bits of paper. Well, in this covenant contract ceremony, really valuable animals are chopped in half and put sort of either side of kind of a walkway. And then normally what would happen in such rituals is both parties would walk between the two halves of chopped up animals. It'd be great to go to a lawyer's and see chopped up calves and so it's a physical sign, a sort of an interactive way of saying, you can look either side of it, here are the consequences of either of us breaking this contract. 
but have a look who does the walking in between them. So uh, first of all, in verse 12, the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. That's um, thick and dreadful darkness. That's reminiscent of God appearing in person in Exodus at Mount Sinai. So it seems to be a way of God shielding us from the full impact of his direct presence. And then verse 17, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. So I take it that this blazing torch firepot thing is the best language the Genesis author has got available to him to describe this incredibly bright light. The upshot is this is God tangibly, visibly, personally performing the sign of walking through the pieces himself. And what's Abram's contribution? Well, yeah, he was having a snooze workshop, wasn't he? He was having a, having a bit of a, a sleep. So God's saying, I'm making this promise to bless you um, just for taking me at my word and trusting me. And if either one of us breaks the contract, I'll bear the consequences. It's like the landlord of a house saying to his tenants, look, don't worry about if you don't pay any of your bills. I'll cover that debt. Um, look, I've overlooked you ignoring me. I've overlooked you not paying the rent and trashing the house that I've generously leased to you. I'll cover all those costs. All you need to do is trust in me as the house owner. See, right, right here at the start of the Bible in Genesis, our being right with God our being made okay with him, our being in right relationship with him, has been at his initiative, at his cost, by his promise and his power. Our salvation, being saved into right and joyful relationship with him, the thing that we're made for, has always been by God's grace. And that's our great assurance. So our final few minutes to finish with, assurance. Verse 6 again. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So nothing Abram did earned him that right relationship with God. Rather, as we saw from Romans, it was Abram being realistic about how impossible his situation was, yet being strengthened by God through his word and signs reminding him of God's word. And Abram takes God at his word. And because of that believing, trusting faith, God credits him with righteousness. That righteousness comes from God, not from Abram. Abram just receives it like a gift by faith. Now for us, knowing Jesus, we can see how it all works through all this works through Jesus. So back to Romans 4 again, the next bit of it from verse 23. The words it was credited to him were written not for Abram alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Peace with God through trusting, through throwing our lot in with Jesus. Jesus has paid that debt of our sin and God credits us with righteousness when we believe in him. So it's not the quantity or the quality of our faith that counts, but rather who our faith is in. Um, In another commentary I read, Derek Kidner put it like this. Faith is not a crowning merit, but readiness to accept what God promises. Faith is not something great about ourselves, but just readiness to accept what God promises. To illustrate, um, we once flew with Ryanair. got a slide of that. If you ever get the chance to be with Ryanair, fly with them, pass it up, okay? It's awful. So they're a budget airline. If you, get, if you picture a cross between an airline and live cattle exports, you've got the right sort of picture. But the interesting thing was the majority of the other people in the flight were Italian, and there's a key cultural difference they're really nervous about flying, it seems to me. You know, I'm, it doesn't bother me. But when, when the flight landed, they broke out into applause and cheering. I'm thinking, landing the plane safely is kind of the minimum requirement, expected requirement. Uh, I don't think it's probably an optional extra, although Ryanair will probably try and charge you for it. But the point is, you can get on a plane and worry about every bump and every detail and, you know, check how many kilometers it's flown and all of that stuff. Or you can just be like one of those frequent flyers who seems completely oblivious to the amazing miracle of human flight going on around them. But in the end, both people are trusting in the airline to get them there safely. And both me and the Italians ended up in the same spot, just to say, we both trusted They worried, I didn't. We both ended up in the same place. But we all face doubts. And they're really forgiven. I've done so much I'm ashamed of. Will God really accept me into heaven? We all face seemingly insurmountable problems. Can God really get me through this? Does he really care about how much I'm suffering? Well, let's look to the example of Abram. And take God at his word. Trust him. Bring those doubts and those questions before God, honestly and with patience. Patience for God to work through them to strengthen your relationship with him. Turn to his word for encouragement and for uncertainty. Be invigorated daily by the small print detail and the signs that he provides for us in there. And be assured, the God who put stars in this sky yet became a fragile human being in Jesus, submitting himself to the cross to save us. A God who can do all of that will keep his promise to bless those who belong to him. So how do we relate rightly to God? How do we make sure we're getting on okay with him for eternity? Trust him. Take him at his word. 
Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the example of Abram. Thank you for the faith you gave him and the faith he showed in you. And thank you for your great promises to save us, to keep us in right relationship with you. Please help us to trust. Please bring alive to us your living and active word as we read it and meditate on it and apply it to our lives. Amen.